This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. News Podcast presents Brett Baer's All-Star Panel. America's got to be in the lead if you want to deal with these threats. We're going to lead. The morning is over. The shiva is done. And if you're a conservative, you should be optimistic. You know, my main priority right now is making sure that it delivers for the American people. We have to make our country great again, and I will do that. I think the president gets criticized by people all the time for the stuff he says, by people who ignore what he does. Now, Fox's chief political anchor, Brett Baer. What is the state of play for 2022? Senate Democrats have jumped right back into their lengthy agenda in the new year with Build Back Better negotiations still on the table. And Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer pushing hard for a voting rights bill to be passed. It's also obviously a midterm election year. COVID still rampant across the country. Republicans are hoping to end this year on a high note for that election. For this and more, we'll bring in our panel. Founding editor at the Washington Free Beacon and AEI resident fellow Matt Connetti. National political correspondent for NPR, Mara Liason, and Fox News congressional correspondent Chad Pergram. Chad, this month it seems like it's hard to imagine. Build back better, uh, getting a better positioning uh, as far as uh, a voter restructuring. But where does it stand? Well, Democrats start the new year basically where they were at the end of last year, looking at Joe Manchin. There's been a little bit of conversation about do they start to do some specific bits and pieces of this bill? What do they do with the child tax credit, which is very expensive? How do they pair this back? But what I find notable as they start the new year is that Democrats, even though Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader, said we're going to have a vote on this sometime early in the new year, they are more focused right now on voting rights and trying to use uh, the anniversary of January 6th as a fulcrum to pass their voting rights legislation and maybe get uh, Joe Manchin, maybe Kirsten Sinema, to agree to alter the provisions with the filibuster. Now, that remains to be seen. Chuck Schumer, the Democratic leader, says he wants to do something on that by Martin Luther King Day, the 17th of, uh, of January. But you need all 50 Democrats plus Vice President Harris on board to change these provisions in the Senate. And heretofore, uh, we don't see any movement on that front. Mara, I mean, do you think they can move that ball before they move other balls? That seems unlikely, but who knows? I mean, once again, everything depends on what Joe Manchin wants. And he sponsored one of these voting rights bills. It was much pared down from the original Democratic wish list. It included, for instance, a provision for voter ID, which is something that Republicans have always wanted. He wanted to see if he could make it bipartisan. So far, he's only gotten Lisa Murkowski. Chad can correct me if I'm wrong. But but only one Republican has signed on to that bill. So the key would be to convince Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, maybe some others, that a carve out to the filibuster would be justified to pass uh, 
a voting rights law and not even just voting rights, but clarifying what happens after the voting is done. <clears throat> Excuse me. What kind of leeway state legislatures would have to decertify or throw out results or clarifying the Electoral Vote Act, clarifying the role of the vice president and certifying electoral college counts. So there are a lot of things in that bill. But once again, it all comes down to whether Joe Manchin is willing to carve out an exemption to the filibuster so the Democrats can pass it with 51 votes. You know, it feels a little bit like Matt uh, Wiley Coyote. I mean, they know that the anvil is going to fall, but they keep coming back at the roadrunner. And uh, am I wrong here in that when Manchin and Cinema say they are not moving on really altering and changing the filibuster and the 60 vote threshold that there is no yes there? Well, it, it's funny because uh, you were said uh, Wiley, Coyote, uh, Brett, and I was thinking Charlie Brown and Lucy with the football. So there are uh, just a whole host of comic and animated metaphors for what the Democrats have been up to over the past year and look to be up to in the coming year. Here's what's really going on. I, I think a lot of this is motivated, this persistent um, attack uh, that, you know, we're going to continue to fight for Build Back Better and we're going to try to fight for the two voting uh, bills and and we're going to try to change the filibuster rules. It's about placating the left um, ahead of the midterm election. Democrats can see the numbers. They see that independents are fleeing from the Democratic Party, uh, heading toward the, the Republican Party. Uh, they see Joe Biden's approval rating. And they are very worried that should the left, their base, abandon them as well, what looks to be a bad election for the Democrats could become a disaster. So a lot of this, I think, is just kind of pumping up the base uh, ahead of the campaign. Chad, you know, on Capitol Hill, is there is there word that Manchin is is somehow making a negotiated effort here that there's going to be some negotiation where he gives in on the filibuster in order to get something else? Well, he said consistently that he is against changing the Senate rules. And as you and I have spoken about off the air many times, you know, in order to do this, a nuclear option, you're not actually changing the Senate rules. You change the Senate precedent. The Senate does a lot of its business based on custom and precedent. And that's what we saw with the nuclear options in 2013 and 2017. But again, you know, Democrats, what they're really doing here, you know, this is important to tie this to one six politically tie this to Martin Luther King Day, voting rights, the state of Georgia. Keep in mind, there's going to be a competitive uh, reelection bid for Raphael Warnock in Georgia later this year. And Georgia has been, you know, almost ground zero for some of these uh, voting changes at the state level. So what Democrats are trying to do is not only apply pressure on Joe Manchin, but also resonate with their electorate to say, hey, you know, we're trying to get something done. And who who is at fault here? Well, it's the Republicans. They are filibustering the bill and then kind of it reverse engineer that to pressure cinema and Manchin to say, can you at least give us one of these two bills here, Build Back Better or the voting rights legislation? Keep in mind that even Bernie Sanders, the independent senator from Vermont, who is about as passionate about the Build Back Better bill as any Democrat in the Senate, he has said that that the voting rights piece of legislation is more important than Build Back Better. Guys, let's hold it right there. We'll continue after this. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound. And you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mara, the administration could desperately use a win. They are facing headwinds. Inflation doesn't seem like it's letting up. The Afghanistan after effects are still happening. Uh, Russia is aggressive, may invade Ukraine. China is aggressive, has hypersonic missiles. Iran doesn't seem like it's sitting on, at the table. And, you know, you, you don't really have a lot of wins happening for the Biden administration. You don't have a lot of wins, and you're not even sure if you got a win legislatively, whether it would change the Democrats' electoral prospects. Now, I think Build Back Better is something that at least is more in their control than inflation, Russia, China, or Afghanistan at this point. So you can imagine a scenario for Build Back Better where the bill is exactly what Joe Manchin wants and not a penny more. You know, he is suggested in the past, both in a written uh, memo to handwritten memo, I think, to Chuck Schumer, but also uh, in public comments that he wants there to be fewer things in it. He wants them to be fully funded, not to expire after a couple years. Um, and he's more open to some of them than others. You know, the child tax credit, which kept a lot of people out of poverty, just expired. Uh, he seems to want to be able to want to tackle that in a bipartisan way in a separate bill. Mitt Romney is for a child tax credit, a different form of it. So I think that that of those things you mentioned, uh, Build Back Better is the is the thing that is the most likely if Democrats are going to get any wins at all. It's the most likely thing to happen. But it would mean once again, the left wing of the party swallowing hard and agreeing to exactly what Joe Manchin wants. Meantime, Matt, this uh, COVID situation and the mandates, vaccines, masks, what to do with kids in school, uh, it really is dividing the country. And different states are handling it differently. Uh, but but it seems like the health experts have all kinds of different messages that have come out, and they try to uh, clean up on aisle four each time something goes sideways. A lot of the uh, health experts in the recent weeks have been sounding like some of the uh, kind of uh, out of the mainstream critics of public health policy at the outset of the pandemic. We, we've heard that uh, cloth masks don't work. Um, we've heard that we shouldn't be counting cases. We need to focus on hospitalizations and deaths. Um, clearly, the vaccines, um, even if you're boosted, you can still get a breakthrough case. But here's the difference. The difference is Omicron. Uh, Brett, and I think Omicron changes everything. Um, it's a different disease, basically. It, it doesn't appear to be as lethal. It's less severe. Um, it does evade the vaccines, but I can speak as someone whose wife had COVID last week. You know, she had a she had a pretty bad cold for a few days, um, and now she's recovered. I think the the fact that the oh the, the prevalence of Omicron and uh, is going to drive people to the point where they're just they just stop listening. Uh, to the public health authorities. And they begin, I think, um, really uh, demanding uh, the relaxation of a lot of the mandates and measures uh, in the coming months. Yeah, Chad, because how is it playing on Capitol Hill? First of all, you have a lot of lawmakers who have had it, COVID, and, and more in recent weeks. But then you have this disparity between federal mandates and actions and the president telling governors, well, it, there's not a federal solution for COVID. 
Well, you know, that's a problem for the Democrats when the president says that, you know, and they have repeatedly said and repeatedly criticized former President Trump saying, you know, do a better job with COVID. You know, you're right. This is a different type of virus, this Omicron variant. There's probably going to be more. Uh, The question uh, happens politically as to whether or not Democrats might use much as they're trying to use one six here to pass the voting rights bill. Do they use the rise of Omicron and make this the new de facto covid bill? You know, that's something that has been, you know, chattered about here. Uh, the real politic on the ground, though, is are they going to have whatever they try to move enough healthy senators uh, to move this? You know, you had Senator Elizabeth Warren test positive uh, just before the, the recess here. I mean, you've had uh, nearly 40 members of the 117th Congress test positive. Uh, you have had a bunch testify, uh, test positive just since December 18th. So if you have Congress coming back into session, you know, does this thing run rampant through the building already? The attending physician at the Capitol, Brian Monahan, has already sent out a memo urging members uh, and committees to do stuff as remote as possible over the next few weeks. Keep in mind that they have remote voting in the House of Representatives, they do not in the Senate, and that could impede their ability to move that bill. You know, even if they had uh, the votes just before Christmas time to move Build Back Better, they couldn't have passed the bill because they had Democratic senators who were out sick. Yeah, and Mara, you know, as we get these messages, you know, they had the quarantine going from 10 days to five days, and now there's a consideration by the CDC, at least according to Dr. Fauci, that they will recommend at least a test at the end of the five days. Well, that sounds great if you can get a test. Yeah, now testing, of course, it's ironic. Testing was the one thing that hadn't been politicized, or at least yet. (laughs) And uh, it, it wasn't part of the culture wars. But it also was the thing that the Biden administration really fell down on the most. They just didn't make testing widely enough available. Now, that is changing day by day. You know, Biden has said he's going to have the 500 million tests available. And I, as somebody who actually has Omicron right now, um, I know that it's easier to go to the pharmacy and grab a whole bunch of home tests and even to make an appointment to get one. So, yeah, testing will make a difference because if you can test and find out you're negative, you don't have to sit at home for some quarantine period. But the good news about Omicron is it sounds like it's a virus in the end game. It's more contagious, less virulent. And that's what viruses do as they age out and turn into something like the common cold. On the other hand, as long as we have this guidance that we have to stay home for five days, 10 days, whatever, uh, then it's hard to go back to business as usual and normal life. And you're feeling fine. Oh yeah, I have a cold. I feel like I have a cold. Yeah, I saw a meme on social media and it was a World War II vet and it had the list of symptoms, you know, sneezy, uh, runny nose, fatigue, cough. And it said, try taking a beach, you know. Now, um, look, people aren't saying that it's a horrible disease. What we're worried about is I have a 95 year old mother. I have exactly. a, a cancer survivor husband. You know, exactly. that's what we're and and my family, of course, is all triple vaxxed. Uh, so I'm not worried about me, but, um, you know, you want to be a sensible person. Mm-hmm. All right. Last word here. Uh, Matt, do you think that the messages are going to work themselves out? Do you think that we're just Omicron is going to be the thing that gets endemic phase? And in, in that way, we change, even though the health experts are saying one thing. I look at Virginia, Brett, where, um, you know, uh, prior to uh, Glenn Youngkin's election, 
Um, everyone uh, locked down the schools here in Northern Virginia for about 18 months. Uh, Yunkin was elected. We have Omicron hit. All of the counties in Virginia, including the blue uh, counties, are saying they're going to try to keep schools open. I think um, the political reckoning that is headed our way in November 22 is what finally gets rid a lot of the uh, of a lot of these uh, mandates and restrictions. Meantime, the Supreme Court chat is going to weigh in as well, and that will be fascinating. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and again, you know, to have a case, uh, you know, of that nature, that's going to be very important. You know, Democrats and Republicans have fought about this now for almost two years uh, and to have, you know, a verdict handed down by the Supreme Court. And this comes at a time, of course, where the Supreme Court uh, basically says and and Chief Justice Roberts alluded to this uh, a week or so ago that, you know, the, the court is really having trouble staying above the fray of politics. Well, whether Justice Roberts likes that or not, whatever that decision might be, that's going to infuse use the Supreme Court right back into the heart of this very touchy issue that's uh, bedeviled us for the past two years. That's right. Panel, thanks so much. Here's a bit of U.S. history. On January 3rd, 1959, President Dwight D. Eisenhower signs a proclamation admitting Alaska as the 49th and largest state in the United States. The U.S. offered Russia $7.2 million for that land, which equates to approximately one-fifth the size of the rest of the country. There were concerns initially about admission as statehood for the territory came during the height of the Cold War between communism and the free world. Being rich in natural resources, Alaska was, and still is, contributing to the country's wealth, oil, commercial fishing, tourism, and cargo hub transportation are its most important job creators. little Alaska history for you there. That'll do it for this week. You can hear more of this series at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts. Make sure to leave a rating and review. We want to hear from you. For Matt, Mara, and Chad, I'm Brett Baer. We'll see you next time. Hey, it's Clay Travis. Join me for Outkick the Show as we dive deep into a mix of topics. New episodes available Monday to Friday on your favorite podcast platform and watch directly on outkick.com forward slash watch.